Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and happy new year. Welcome to the first Birds All Day of 2019, and oh boy, have we got some hot Blue Jays talk for you. Uh, no preamble, no baloney at the beginning off the top here. Stone and I, uh, before we started recording, essentially um, solved all of Netflix's problems. That'll be a, that'll be a very special edition of Superbad down the road, where we where we decide we reshape Netflix's content strategy. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about the Blue Jays' off-season strategy, and uh, and joining me uh, uh, to do that, joining me as always, uh, old reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm good. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Uh, I'm glad that you're good. I feel like um, we were just talking about Netflix, and I mentioned it off the top. This is like the Netflixiest time of year. That the break between between Christmas and then like New Year's and when people go back to work officially, that is like prime. Like this is the most gluttonous time of year, and I, and it's when people watch the shit out of TV. Is my what my I've decided. It seems about right. I've I've felt it, that. It feels like it's the time when when more shows like shows or programs or movies, whatever they are, they kind of go they get a lot more legs more quickly. Like a couple of years ago it was that it's it was that uh making a murderer show that like everybody online seemed like they were all watching it all at the same time. And this year it's that the bird box thing. Mm-hmm. People are doing nothing. They're doing literally nothing but uh but watching watching Netflix. Which is uh or whatever other streaming service is at your at your service, or or they're watching Robocop. Yeah, as I understand. It's, it. Well, it's I assure you, it's better than anything on Netflix right now because it is one of the finest, you know, a high watermark of cinema. Frankly, one of the finest films ever made. It 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 is a fine film. I mean, the 2014 version, obviously. The 2014 version. <laughs> I don't even that know was. that I've seen that version. <laughs> who is the who is the, the the RoboCop that in that movie? Who could possibly the, who could possibly give a shit? I don't know. Is it Joel Kinnaman? Is that is that who who does it? I, if it were, if it is, it's news to me. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Uh, I think it was Joel Kinnaman. Joel, he is in the show Altered Carbon on Netflix, which was uh, like sex robots. He was. It was RoboCop. It was Joel Kinnaman in the RoboCop remake. He was also on... What was that other show he was on? Was he on... Uh, the Killing, that's right. Anyway, Joel Kinnaman. Uh, Alton Carbon is okay. Nah, it was the, the, it was like the horniest sci-fi show I've seen in a long time, actually. <laughs> and that says a lot, because both <laughs> sci-fi nerds love to be horny. The reason I mention all this Netflix and streaming and time-wasting is because that's all anybody in baseball is doing right now. Nothing has happened. There are no real signings to announce, essentially. There's no... The Bryce Harper is still a free agent. Manny Machado, not yet a Yankee. So, we're left to pick up the pieces. But, you know, while we say that, in, in actuality, the Blue Jays have been semi-active. So, let's talk about that off the, off the start. Matt Shoemaker Ooh. is a Toronto Blue Jay. Yeah. Big talk shoe. about horny sex sci-fi robots. Matt Shoemaker <laughs> is about as sexy as it gets. And Clayton Richard... Also, Clayton Richard, yeah. Real, I know Matthew Maker's real, pretty good, real right? Like, Batman and Robin here. I, I, well, you're the one who would have watched the Angels a lot more than I. Uh, mm. I definitely know him as like a guy I had on my fantasy team once when he was healthy and was like, ah, let's let's see where this goes. You might there might be something mm-hmm. here, but not really. You know, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't be able to quote back his repertoire to you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Tell me, is Matt Shoemaker any good? No, he is. He's pretty good. Uh, one year he was really good, and then he was hurt, and then he was kind of bad. Mm-hmm. As my kind of bad. off the top of my head and also sort of looking, thinking back to my Halos all day um, you know, reconnaissance. Right. But uh, I think the thing, the big thing was home runs. Um, he gave up a lot of home runs, which is not what you want. But uh, I don't know. He, he's a serviceable pitcher who with a with a much higher ceiling than that. If he's right, if he's right, which I guess is the the bigger thing. Like he only pitched at he the pitched end of thirty last innings year. last year. Yeah, he only pitched at the end of last year. Um, obviously, you could tell we're we've really been pouring over the numbers of Matt Shoemaker uh, in anticipation of this moment on the podcast. Hey, had a good year a couple years ago. I'm obviously looking at it right now. I mean, I I had some Matt Shoemaker thoughts, I guess, when the the deal went through, which is yeah, I don't know. It's if he's right, it's such a small uh, salary that he will be uh, that he's signed for. That uh, yeah, what the hell? It's not, this is kind of the year in which the Jays can do that. I, I know that if I saw a few people on Twitter being like, well, don't they need these rotation spots for? You know the the Thorntons and the Panones and and Reed Foley and all these guys. It's like yeah, <laughs> I don't think Matt Shoemaker, unless he's like good, in which case he can you know be a trade ship at the deadline. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think he's taken away any any kid's job. Uh, I think those guys will certainly have the opportunity to force the Jays' hands and put them into the rotation. I think you know much like 2018, the delightful season that it was. Uh, there will be a lot of time in the back end of the season to give a lot of innings to pitchers who, you know, we're, we're looking at right now as potential rotation pieces, but could still, uh, I think, quite easily spend another half year in Buffalo. They they if, absolutely <laughs> needed somebody to soak up innings, and that mm-hmm. I think the, that Matt Shoemaker is overqualified for that job in some ways, but also underqualified in that he's never really had like a crazy. Um, you know, he's not only he's never pitched 200 innings in a year or anything, but he's a good pitcher with something to prove. So they can run him out there until a he is not healthy, b he's played himself into a trade, or c he's you know the there is no floor and he's a Jaime Garcia type. But I think that as far as the money that they're paying him and the uh, is he not eligible for arbitration one more I, year? I after believe that? he is. Yeah, I believe he is. Um, and also one other thing that that stuck out in my mind was uh, Matt. Shoemaker's uh, rookie year was he was really good, and that's the year that the Angels actually made the playoffs. So he was he was good when the team was good. But I I, I know there's, there's not a lot to dislike about it because if he's if he's bad, then they can you know whatever release him non tender him do go through all that stuff. And as as you said, the roster spot thing I think is not something that's super important because so many of those. Young guys are still building up arm strength, and again, none of them have pitched complete seasons, so there's going to be a lot of uh, shuttling back and forth as they manage workloads and yeah, mystery and- DL stints. And, <laughs> and as you said, at the end of the year, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for yeah. them to go get their brains beat out. But. And yeah, Exactly, because you know, let's not talk about all those guys as though they're already big leaguers. Like a bunch of, a bunch of whoever's going to pitch at Buffalo this year will never amount to anything uh, at the big league level. Uh, maybe... Maybe all of them. Who knows? Uh, it's that kind of an exciting time here in Blue Jays land. And then the Clayton Richard thing. Mm-hmm. So Clayton Richard was like a top prospect for a long time in the White Sox system, and then he kind of bounced around, and then he had a decent year, I guess, and then the Blue Jays 
the Padres sweetened the pot, I suppose. They, they paid $2.5 million to the Jays to uh, take... To uh, to lighten that load. Yeah, I guess they got the they got Connor Panis uh, or whatever the uh, the Canadian who I think a lot of people, uh, you know, more than usual maybe for a prospect of his stature, kept their eye on, uh, just because of the the passport. But he also, uh, I couldn't I couldn't tell you without looking how his his twenty eighteen was was, but I think he was kind of a breakout guy the year before, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe you know not not a non prospect, but not a, a, not somebody anyone would worry about. Had it not been for the fact that he's, you know, a Toronto kid, I'm pretty sure. Which, you know, no offense, but I think that's probably excuse me correct. <laughs> I believe he's from Etobicoke. He might, you might be right. You might be right. So, so come correct around here. But yeah, I don't know. Clayton Richards not sexy. No, he. I mean, at all. I, I saw people talking about using him as a reliever or maybe even as a long, uh, an opener, which is an interesting idea. You know, the Jays uh, uh, are using an opener ahead of him, a right-handed opener, and having him come in. You know, once somebody gets through the top half of the order and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, giving him a little bit more of a chance in the, the second or third inning uh, just to, uh, you know, to, to try that thing. And, and just because he could, you know, maybe get a little bit more out of him, having him come in after a right-hander and force the team, a team to stack lefties. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. He's a, he's another warm body that uh, that could do something there. And, like, uh like I said before, I mean, it's just, it's I, it's easy to look at, you know, Panone pitched six times, I think, in the big leagues last year, six or seven, and, and Reed Foley, we saw them a bit. Uh, Barucki, I think, is probably a safe bet to be in the rotation all year, but beyond him, uh, you know, I don't think there's any harm in waiting for guys to, like, dominate in Buffalo before you decide that he's, they're, you know, ready to uh, mm-hmm. to come up and, and get a big league job, and even if they you do decide that, there's a decent chance that, you know, you'll have a nice little run and then, you know, the league will catch up or the, you know, some things will have to change. You know, Sam Goviglio is a, uh, a good example of that. He had a really nice start to his Jays career last year. Uh, you know, a, a few weeks of, of, you know, kind of lucky starts and, and uh, you know, just managing to avoid some real bad, bad at ball luck. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if in other circumstances, uh, I think he, you know, he earned his uh, his keep for a little while, but in other circumstances, they might have sent him down uh, a little bit earlier yeah. than they did. Uh, and now they actually have options for when things like that happen. Uh, there are guys who can come in and take those jobs. Uh, whereas last year it was probably a bit early for the Reed Foley's for Pannon, who was suspended. Thornton wasn't mm-hmm. there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's odd to me that anyone would suggest that to use Clayton Richard in that way. Because I feel like Clayton Richard, the Blue Jays acquired Clayton Richard to do exactly what Clayton Richard did in San Diego, which is make starts for a bad team. Yeah. Like he made, he started 32 times in 2017. He got pitched almost 200 innings. He's pitched 200 innings in the past. Like that's his whole value proposition to me is being like a big giant goon left-handed. <laughs> like just a big dude who's going to stand out there and throw and get beat up for a while. Um, uh, again, I don't, I would be, I don't know, the whole starter thing. Like, the Jays are going to be bad. Why are they going to, what are they going to do with, with the starter? You don't, I, you, just, you don't want to raise that uh, more wins than, than you should have banner at the end of the year? Well, will Tampa ship it? Like, you know, <laughs> they'll send it COD, I'm sure. That's the way that it works. But 
I don't know. That's another debate for another day. But again, these are these are not sexy signings. These are depth signings, which is exactly what this kind of team that this team needed to not necessarily field a good team, but field a team that is competitive and that is going to have bumpers in place for two starters who are coming back from injuries and a, a grip of starters who are young and have lots to prove. Like you said, that there's no, you know, if we were going to sit here now and say who's going to make the most starts for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2019, which is the year that it is now, who who knows? I mean, yeah. Strowman's Bar- probably a pretty good guess, but I think Baraki's probably the best guess, maybe. But yeah, you know, you watch; it's going to end up being fucking Clayton. Richards. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. That's how that's how uh, dark things are going to get in uh, in 2019 in Blue Jays land. Uh, but okay, that's I don't know. There's not much else to say. Yeah, about those guys. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird. You see people on on the Twitter. Uh, who did not get into the minutia so much as we do? Maybe who, you know, for for them every move that isn't a, a, a swing for the fences is some abomination. Uh, and you know, I don't want to pick on them or focus too much on them, but it is it is odd that uh, you know people are looking at this uh, and and groaning. And I think there are you know some sometimes people with bigger platforms will egg them on and you know look at it as though the Blue Jays are are sitting on their hands or are doing something that they shouldn't do, which, you know, this may be a, a conversation we could have about, you know, like you were talking about Bryce Harper not having a market uh, or, you know, the way that things are just so slowly developing. Uh, there was a good piece, David Roth, from Deadspin this week, wrote about how, you know, every team mm-hmm. could sign a Harper or Machado if they really wanted to. And baseball's really fucked up right now and how teams are approaching things. But within the context of how teams are going to do it, so you kind of just have to live with, with that while acknowledging that it's fucked up. Yeah, these are the kind of shitty, dull, unsexy moves a team like the Blue Jays should be making. Uh, related to that, no, I, I don't disagree, and I shared that David Roth uh, story uh, or blog, and I tend to agree with it. Um, but there was somebody, I, I think his name is Backlaw, I think he's his name on Twitter. Let me just pull it up real quick, sorry. Jonathan Judge, which he's like a, a lawyer-y type. Baseball person, you know there are lots of those. He, I mean, he's, he's not a judge. He's a, he's on he's a baseball he's a BP uh, stats guy as well. Okay. Um, he wrote about how everyone's saying the same thing that these teams are washing cash and they're just not spending it on payroll, which is mostly true. Uh, and he said it's half true, but he said the other thing is that the reason all these teams ended up being so valuable is because they have so many like limited partners and small people like small people that own pieces of the team because it's you know they're not publicly traded but they're so big and that's sort of how they got to have these huge valuations is like people want to buy in so they're buying little pieces and they're my minority partners and this and that so these teams have all this money but they've all allocated so much of that money to those limited partners all around the table you got to make sure that everybody gets fed so that so that yeah, they have the money, but they, but it's it's kind of already spent in a way because that that's part of part of the operation of operating a baseball team. But at the same time, there is realistically no excuse for yeah. for any for most of these teams. I thought I just heard but one, it, but but okay. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it's an excuse, but it is an interesting perspective that I hadn't considered sure. before. Yeah, yeah. That that is viable, and I think that's the that's what we have that. That is the balance that people like yourself and myself need to strike sometimes, which is not, you know, egging people on and 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 
crying foul, but also not just like straight up carrying water for the management and for ownership. We've already done. We there's lots of blood on our hands already for 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 doing that that very that very much that and pushing these ideas of equity and good contracts and what's fair and about value and value and value and value where that seems mm-hmm. as though it's 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 the only conversation that matters and it, it kind of trumps uh winning in a way uh i, I was talking uh, like a piece of pizza with jonah Birnbaum from uh the expand the zone podcast when we were talking about the you know a lot was made of the the how much the Red Sox paid in in luxury tax this year, and then you and I on this podcast talked about how uh, you know the Jays could run a three hundred million dollar payroll and they could make it maybe be competitive this year, right? We had that conversation. We did. Uh, but like, is there how much value is there in the Blue Jays doing that? Because they would pay more than a small amount of luxury tax. They would pay a ton of luxury tax. As they got up into that like hundred million dollars in, suddenly they're paying this. Like, how much is that even going to impact the revenue? How much is I don't know. It's just something to think about, something to kick around in your head that they're they have a budget for a reason, and and yet the players are getting a shrinking piece of the pie. Fair. It's you know what's but, actually well, what's interesting actually before we move on from that is just that it's you you mentioned a lot of teams, most teams not publicly traded. The Blue Jays are sort of the other side of that coin, and we mm-hmm. do sort of see. Uh, more tangibly some of the limitations of what uh, they can do because of that. You know, we see, and I've written about a bunch, and I was tweeting with somebody or tweeting about today even about how, you know, okay, theoretically Rodgers has so much money that they could easily pay Bryce Harper and, and would, you know, would be fine and could benefit from that without worrying about it sinking their company. But the fact that they're publicly traded means that you know, it's hard to move a big expenditure into into the media division's uh, balance sheet, uh, because you have to show you have to show it as an expenditure against the revenue that you've made. So it's so it's it it, it infects the uh, uh, the outcome of the balance sheet. It affects the stock price. Uh, you know, it doesn't make the shareholders happy. But it's just because they're publicly traded, as opposed to the other uh, you know most, the majority of the other teams, you can see some of that sort of uh, uh, push and pull of the the system that is a little more hidden. And uh, that's something we need to talk about too. But it's just, it's so weird. Uh, I remember years ago, like talking with uh, Parks getting in arguments with Jeff Baker uh, mm-hmm. when he was at the, the Seattle Times or whichever it was when he was more uh, upfront as a Mariners uh, beat guy. We would talk about his mm-hmm. Toronto time uh, a lot. And I don't remember the specifics of those kind of things, but it got into, I think, a lot of this stuff about how, uh, on one hand, you, you, you want to, you you need to hold to account the stupid company that's just taking people's money and not really and not giving back enough in terms of what the team does on the field and what they're capable of doing with the money that they take in and and not you know serving the fans in a way that they should uh, mm-hmm. but on the other hand you know if if you're a fan and you try to understand this stuff and try to think about it uh, think about the team as a business and try to understand it as comprehensively as possible it is easy to sort of get resigned to the limitations that are sort of artificial, but sort of not. But it's mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, just the the exact idea of the, you know, the Blue Jays signing Bryce Harper that I was tweeting about earlier, uh, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically possible, but uh, but just not, not real, not genuinely possible, like only possible in theory, not possible in reality, just because of the limitations of the way that's the way that the Jays mm-hmm. run their business. Uh 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a, a good conclusion sentence for this, but it's just that the, the two sides of that are something that we always kind of have to keep in mind. Absolutely. And, and the Blue Jays, I think, are – it's no fun to, to think about their position on kind of the spectrum of risk. Uh, somebody I saw today was using the Pirates as an example of the Pirates understand that they can essentially operate their business um, in a zero risk uh, mm. manner. They, <laughs> yeah. There's no risk of them losing money, so they don't risk money. Right. They, there's no the, the risk and reward. There's the reward is there no matter what. They don't have to encounter or take on any risk where other teams uh, are much more willing to engage in that risk because maybe the stakes are higher if you're the Red Sox or whatever. And you can see the value of 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 winning. But in the, the Red Sox are the example I use, too, where the Red Sox, yeah, they had the highest payroll in the league and they and they spend money freely and they waited on J.D. Martinez, but they still paid a lot of money for a good player. But also they were so uniquely positioned to even do that. Right. You can't do that if you're the Red Sox without Mookie Betts making whatever your million bucks this year or, uh, you know, early in arbitration or pre-arbitration when he's putting up eight, nine, ten wins. You can't do it without Benintendi being that low. You can't do it with, like, it's it's hard to just spend your way into a title. You can't just throw the money at the problem. But but for the Blue Jays, it is a, there there is that element of risk there, and they are more risk adverse, right? The uh, right at this point, because the reward, the opportunity for reward is probably so slim that the risk of taking on three hundred million dollars worth of contracts, as we sort of spitballed that a couple of weeks ago, there's the the chance of getting any kind of reward. You're never going to be able to to make that work. You're never going to. Yeah intellectually get there right but speaking intellectually i don't I, well may i also say sorry, go ahead, go ahead, i'm no, derailing no. it i'm, I'm no, no, trying no. to prevent you but it just uh i just the idea of the blue jays being risk averse it's correct uh at this moment in time and you know you wonder uh, or i the uh, people i think seem to think about it as though that's a, like a defining trait of the people who are running the Blue Jays now. And it's, it's easy to point to Cleveland who, you know, they're just, the money isn't there in the same way and look mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, look, they didn't, they were risk averse there too. It's like, well, they didn't have the, the resources really to knock, knock it out of the park with a free agent. Right. They don't, but they, you know, the, they did sign Edward Encarnacion. They have done some things that, involving some money when they're at the point on the wind curve, when they think they, uh, you know, that, that uh, the opportunity is worth it. Uh, and I just think that's also you know worth pointing out. Yes, risk averse at this point, but you know what? If you listen to them, they they will say, and I don't know why anybody would not believe them, that when the time comes, they will be less risk averse because they're always calculating the risk versus the reward. And just right now, risk aversion is pretty much where they ought to be. In some ways, the worst thing that happened, if you if if you are of the mindset the Blue Jays should be trying to win all the time. The worst thing that could have happened was for Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins to come in and have 2016 be their first season because they had it right there in front of them to see what the reward part of that risk-reward equation looked like. Because they're like, yeah, these tickets are sold. These tickets were sold before we started. Like, this is what it looks like when the building's full. Mm-hmm. This is what it looks like when the, when, the, when, the, when the advertising rates are good, when the, when the viewers are there. This is the kind of, you know, this is this is the feedback we get from the corporate side. This is the, what the revenue looks like. So they could see it all in front of them, and that, and if if anything, that's why they're so da- set down and determined to fix the ballpark because they're like, if this is all we've got, selling out every night for the entire summer and getting into the playoffs and being you know two wins away or three wins away from the World Series, that's not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Like so they 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 don't need to even make the case to Rodgers now because they can see it in front of their own eyes. They, they there's not there's no projection there. There's not a lot of of uh, of uh, of uh, of what's the word? Extrapolating on the graph. Right. They had yeah. it in black and white. This is the money that we will make as a club. This is what our team will look like. This is what the business will look like when everything is running as hot as it can be. And it's not enough. So they know they got to fix the ballpark, and that's the priority. And they know they got to increase the margin somewhere. So they're like, well, now because we were running a huge payroll relative to whatever, so now we got to we got to get that same revenue or increase it, and then see where we can bring those margins down. And that means that they're going to try to uh, train and and uh, and what what was the buzzwords that he kept using over and over? Uh, you know, train and develop and and rehabilitate athletes better than anybody in the in in the league in the world so that that's where they see the opportunity within the baseball business that they are that they're running right now and it's uh it's not again we've said not sexy a bunch of times because they signed matt shoemaker and clayton richard but it's that's their job right and 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 then we as fans have to kind of reckon with that and and as try to have an understanding or make at least develop a uh, 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 make peace with the fact that that is the reality of the situation, and crying and yelling because they signed, they traded for Clayton Richard and and took money back or gave away a, a prospect from Canada in the process. It doesn't really serve anyone any real purpose. And if you're not interested in that, you're not going to be along for the ride. The people who are listening to this in fucking January 2019 <laughs> are not those fans. And we thank you and bless you all for being yes, that. But, absolutely. but that's just the reality of the situation. Those people aren't going to be along for that ride. We are. And that means that sometimes swallowing what is, in a fan sense, a bitter pill. But in reality, you know, it's, they're not, not playing for the love of the game. Sadly, it is indeed a business. Uh, now, there was a piece of business that got done. Uh, today, which was the Mariners unveiled their new signing. Uh, you say, yeah, you say Kikuchi? Mm-hmm. Something like uh, that, yeah. Pitcher right. from Japan signed a wild contract. Crazy yeah. contract, this guy. With, like, he guarantees him $56 million, but he's got an opt-out after four years where you can, like, opt into free agency or opt into this weird four-year deal that's worth, like, another $50 million. Crazy, crazy stuff, but... John Heyman reported that the Blue Jays were hard in for Kikuchi, which is interesting, surprising. If we if we believe it, yeah. If we believe it, of course. I don't know. Why, I don't know why. Do we not believe it? Do you think that's something he's been fed? I don't know. I mean, he, there's the the, the Heyman Boris thing is always funny, and I'm sure Boris would uh, uh, would not be opposed to making things difficult for the Jays with regard to having to. You know, be asked about money and and what they intend to spend and stuff, but it seems like a different kind of a deal than that. Uh, and it really seems to be like a thing that uh, that that they've been pushing towards, and or or a market where they're trying to be in it as much as they can be in it, while acknowledging probably that it's it's going to be tough for the team in Canada in the AL East that's way the side of the continent to to draw a lot of Japanese pitchers or, or pitchers from Korea or from that part of the world. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that, that they really genuinely did seem uh, last year on Otani, uh, and now this year they uh, Dan Evans is gone. He was a holdover from the previous regime, and he was the former Dodgers manager, and we'd see him you know, at Otani starts, and he had lots of connections there and has been, has been working in, in Japan and Korea uh, for a long time, and now they've... Uh, 
they've hired, I forget the man's name, but it was formerly translator for Hugh Darvish and, and uh, a guy who'd worked, I think, for NPB as a league or and certainly worked for the, the teams there. And so they're, you know, they're not... They're not not serious, I think, if they're employing somebody like that to to run their operations there, to be their mm-hmm. foothold on that continent. And, uh, you know, and also a person with that sort of background, I know, you know, very little of, of of the game over there on that, on the level, you know, in terms of like who the personalities running teams and shit are. But I, like that person mm-hmm. you know, probably wouldn't take a job like that if, it, if it, a team wasn't. You know, really being serious. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, but so yeah, I think that there is something to the fact that they, you know, wanted to to take part in this, and it could also be. And I'm rambling a bit here, but it could also be. I mean, I saw that uh, Jared Depoto talking about, you know, just the way the the claiming that the way that they pitched Kikuchi was, uh, uh, you know, about the about development and and thinking about it being a, you know, what what kind of a player. Uh, they wanted to mold him into and and very you know new agey Shapiro esque kind of stuff. I think. I mean, I I'm not sure I believe it because if you saw the tweet, the quotes from him about like Ichiro's a man in the sky, and if I ever get to meet him, and, you know all that shit. Which which okay, good job, Depoto. Yeah, it seems like seems like your your job was maybe a little bit easier than other people in terms of convincing him. But it could also just be you know a a way to gauge themselves against the league and and to and to try to stay you know, current and, 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 you know, just to get feedback on what they're, you know, what they're, they're selling. I don't know. It could be mm-hmm. something that sounds like some sort of fucking thing they might do too. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, you got to kick the tires sometimes. You got to see what the, what the market is willing to bear. Well, I think, uh, I think I, it's good to, I think it's good to be like, okay, let's try to fucking sell ourselves. And, and if it doesn't work, ask questions why it didn't work. And, and ask what was good, ask what was bad, and I think that seems to be an approach that they want to take. And, and you could probably get valuable p- feedback by doing a thing like that. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll ever sign anybody from that market, but will still enhance your ability to to you know present yourself in the best possible light to other free agents elsewhere. They definitely. We talked about it last year, probably this time, or or maybe before that, when they were hiring like a media relations guy, and they were like. Japanese. If you can speak Japanese, that's a big asset. It was something that they listed. Uh, by the way, I just want to read this quote from Scott Boris <laughs> about, about finding out why it didn't work. Uh, Scott Boris was a very Boris quote. Uh, Kikuchi is very global. I think certain, certainly all cities are open to his purview, Boris said at the winter meetings about a deal with Toronto. <laughs> very global. Very, very global. That's that's very exciting. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of neat to, to see them in there and, and if if you if, are if were, more, yeah. if if it's real, but I, I don't see that that Boris if Boris feeding Heyman, which is something that happens. Um, the, why? What is the advantage of of putting the Blue Jays in there when they maybe were not? Raise the expectation that they might be willing to spend money, which is something they wanted to beat out of the fans, as as we addressed in the previous segment. That's true, and also make <laughs> it, it, Boris is happy because now. Shapiro has to address it at some point. Like, oh, I heard you guys were close on Kikuchi. Yeah, fucking Boris got yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we always are interested in any player that could help the Toronto Blue Jays club. <laughs> it would they not win ball games. Me. It would not surprise me if it was really just that sort of a petty level thing. <laughs> Speaking of petty labels, 
Troy Tulowitzki plays for the New York Yankees now. Wow. Let's not go nuts yet. He he has a name on a contract somewhere. And, and a major but, league contract. Not some bullshit invite, invite to spring training or anything. He's very he's tall. He's got a guaranteed deal. He's very tall. You like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah. I he is. It, when you start... When, I, I've joked about it for years now because it was Brian Cashman, the Yankee general manager, loves tall pitchers. And you see the club used to, when it was like Dylan Batances and and CeCe Sabathia and Matt, back in the day when Matt Thornton played for the Yankees. And then uh, Chapman is really tall and Ivan Nova used to play for the Yankees. He was really tall. And it's like the team was just huge. And now they've got Stanton and they've got Judge and like they're, they're just like <laughs> the biggest team imaginable. And now their shortstop is very, very tall as well. And if they sign Machado, he's tall for his position, for anyone's position. So, yeah, it's just it's the funniest thing that that's just Cashman loves the tall guys. Give him tall. What a Cashman. Kind of a legend. Uh, a little bit. The Yankee fans were at first mad and now they're like, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. It's Tulowitzki. They are trolling us, me, you. They're saying that Tulisi's going to hit some like backbreaking double that's going to win the Yankees a ball game against the Blue Jays, and we're all going to die inside. All the Blue Jays of Twitter will yeah. keel over dead. Yeah, that which is that ball game going to be in twenty twenty one? Like, when are the Blue Jays going to play a meaningful ball game again? It's going to be a while. It doesn't have to be meaningful to hurt. <laughs> the pain is all there's the a, same. There's a slogan. There's a there's, there's send that <laughs> Blue to Jays the baseball. <laughs> Like you can, I would like to get Dan Schulman to read that line. I am Dan Schulman, Blue Jays baseball. It doesn't have to be meaningful to hurt. Just, um, just going to write down the title of this episode here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I'm happy for Troy Tulitsky that he didn't twist in the wind for months and months and months. The yeah. Blue Jays let him cut him free during winter meetings, and it seemed like it worked out for him. His workout went well. If he comes back and he plays... All the more better to really work and contribute in a meaningful way to a team that will go and play in the wild card. Maybe. Way to go. <laughs> Dare to dream. Dare to dream, Troy. Uh, it seemed like it's an inevitable thing. Obviously, there was the long romance between Tulowitzki and the Yankees. The one day, the blessed day when he just showed up, sat in the moat seats and watched the Yankees when he still played for the Rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> oh, not only did I, will I never forget that, I, one aspect of it that I did forget was that he was wearing a shirt that said there's always money in the banana stand when he was... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, he was obsessed with Derek Jeter, he wore number two, Jeter wore number two, Tulowitzki, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, Tulo has gone. So people are mad, of course, or people are ready to be mad about that, too. Oh, sure. Right? Well, because that means if they're he not goes out there and ha- If he gets any of the... Well, the Yankees fans are mad because they're, they're, they'll say he's going to... That's a barrier to them signing Manny Machado, which is not true. Correct. The Yankee fans are mad because he's old and he's washed. Also correct. Also correct. <laughs> uh, Blue Jays fans are mad because, in, in case he's not, if he, is, right. if he plays well and plays for the Yankees, the, the Blue Jays are paying Troy Tulowitzki to play for the Yankees and beat them is what we're going to read in, you know, the tabloids. Yes. Uh... Which is so dumb. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're they are doing it. I mean, they're paying him to play for them, but yeah, all of those things are true. They are absolutely <laughs> paying him to pay play for the New York Yankees. Uh, but, but, yeah, but yeah, that's obviously tool. completely ridiculous. It, it, you know, I've seen people who, and like like we were saying before about the just the the idea of 
the, just the risk reward calculation. It's like, okay, well, well, there is theoretically a possibility that halfway through the season, the Jays could eat all the rest of the money on Tulo's contract and maybe get some sort of a warm body back for him. But what is? But the risk to that is that you're losing development time for Guriel, maybe Richard Urania, if you want to still pretend he's a you know potential guy, or maybe Bobuchet will eventually come up, or you know, and you're also putting Tulo in a clubhouse situation that's really weird for veteran players. I'm sure right now for a guy like him who would probably rather be literally anybody anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who would obviously, I think, go out and be a professional about it and uh, and all of that, but has made it quite clear that wouldn't, he would not be happy sitting on the bench or being asked to be in a different role. Um, so, what is like, what is the likelihood that that you put yourself through that and there's a halfway decent prospect, a prospect that made it were all worthwhile, waiting at the end when you trade to Troy Tulowitzki in July? I don't think that I don't think that uh, likelihood is very high. So that's why the Blue Jays did what they did. So there's there's nothing really to be bad about unless you're 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 really really ready to to take that risk. And the, what bothers me is is that if he does end up having a good season, people will be like, "Well, see, see, I was right." And it's like, "Well, no, you theoretically, yes, you were right, but also you were right by making a really risky move that in many other simulations would not have uh, have worked out the same way." Uh, I read something interesting that was regarding, so the, one of the things that, that maybe helped to usher Joe Tulewski out the door was his insistence on playing shortstop, saying, I'm shortstop, this is who I am, what I am. And we talked a little bit when we did the show of when he was released about his, his uh, workaholic, you know, Jim Rat sort of vibe, how he just kept, um, you know, he spent so much time exercising or doing whatever, and maybe it it may have cost him in terms of his, his ability to recover. Uh, but it was that the Troy Tulewitzki's insistence that he was a shortstop and would be a shortstop cost him in the draft where teams would like, we're going to move you to third. And he said, no, he said, I'm a shortstop then. And that's what caused him to slide all the way to Colorado at number seven in that draft, mm. which I found uh, a little surprising. He really likes to play shortstop. Um, because I guess, well, who was it? Well, maybe Zimmerman was. I don't, maybe he was a shortstop. I don't know. But, but yeah, he likes to play shortstop. Also interesting to note the reason I one of the main reasons I brought that up. Mm-hmm. Tulowitzki was taken seventh overall in two thousand and five. The sixth overall pick in two thousand five. Ricky Romero officially announced his retirement the other oh. day on Instagram. So good for him. Congratulations on a uh, on a nice career, Ricky Romero. Yeah, you know uh, he was, and and judging by Instagram, he's been here in Toronto uh, the last few days with his uh, with his lovely young family. Yeah, celebrating. Is, I think is he one of the uh, the folks who will be at the Winterfest? I think he might be one of the names who will. Uh, he is. He there. will. Yeah. He is. I don't know that he'll be there between now and then. Like he'll right. probably go home. Well, I assume. Sure. There's not that I follow, both follow he and his his, his partner. <laughs> sure. Why? Uh, why would you? On Instagram and and stalked them and could tell you exactly what they've been doing the last few days. I couldn't do that. I mean, I I, I could, but I won't. But uh, but yeah, no, he uh, you know, yeah, he and, pitched, I, pitched 129 times in the big leagues. It's pretty good. You know, and the the thing about him is, I, I wish that there was more amplification for the the story of what the hell happened to him, which was that he was pitching on shredded knees. And that, you know, 
that it wasn't that he lost it mentally or that there was some, you know, there was something that he just couldn't do it anymore or whatever it was. You know, you still hear people mm-hmm. who will sort of grumble about how, you know, mm-hmm. the, the promise of Ricky Romero was squandered. And, and obviously, uh, those of us who pay a little closer attention, I know the, the guys at Sportsnet, I think Arden's had a piece about it too. And he'll, I'll, I've seen him tweeting when anybody, you know, will dares to, to gripe about Romero's career. Be like, you know, just like, just walking on absolutely like, no knees at all, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, and it's it's unfortunate. It would have been nice to have seen him physically, you know, at his best for the whole time. I think it would have been a much different outcome for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you don't have to. Again, he didn't just forget how to pitch, right? He was he was an all star. That's years what in people think. Like, so that's what people think. He was an all star. He was like a six and a half win pitcher who pitched two hundred innings, two hundred twenty five innings. And then the next year, it was it. It was over, because his body was cooked. Right, yeah, he he, yeah. he pitched hundred and eighty, you know, not great starts. Or sorry, hundred eighty innings in two thousand and twelve. That was the year the Blue Jays were going to be good. Right, that was yeah. the one of one of the year. That was with with Morrow and all those all those guys. And they, they may uh, have made a trade or two, as I recall. No, oh, yeah, that, that was twenty. That was twenty thirteen. That was twenty thirteen. Yeah. 2013, he was all but gone. Uh, he he only that was he came in and pitched like a, um, like a. Uh, yeah, I remember it was like there was a fun. It was actually a nice moment. He came in and pitched at the end of the year, but that was it. I remember at the um, time of the trades, it was like okay, well maybe he's the fifth starter because we got all these other guys now, and and uh, and you know he went to spring training and just couldn't do it at all. Yeah, that team. 2012 was not that long ago. There Correct. are maybe five guys that are still in the big leagues on that team, from that team. Jay Happ is one of them. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and that's like, depending on what you think about Jose Bautista. Right. In 2019. Brandon uh, Moore, the guy Morrow, who was yeah. always hurt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's kind of it. Adam Lind, he's pretty much out of a job. He's done. Eric Thames, of course, of course. Right, sure. But yeah. then, like, Jesse Chavez and, and, uh, and Jay Happ. Oh, that was and the first, yeah, the first uh, Jesse Chavez era. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, crazy. Crazy. How, oh, Sam Dyson. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Brandon Morrow, standing tall. But, yeah, congrats to Ricky Romero on a nice career. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he'll, yeah, as you said, he will be at the, um, the fan fest thing. Uh, Mark Stroman will not. Uh, there was a, it seemed for a while like there was a chance that Marcus Stroman was not going to be a Blue Jay anymore. Except that there was never a, a strong chance that Marcus Stroman wasn't going to be the Blue Jay anymore. A lot of those rumors, I think, were greatly overblown. And now, uh, apparently, the uh, the market for him has dried up. And it doesn't look like he's going to get traded. Can you wow. believe it? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, if we believe that rumor too, I mean, I don't know. Sure, I, I I think you're absolutely right that the rumors were overblown. I I I don't know that that means that he would never have been traded. I tweeted a bit about this today here on mm-hmm. Thursday as well. Like I, I, I the the idea of you know a Stroman trade was sort of uh, the foundation of it was that there would be a team out there that would look at his performance in 2018 and be like, oh, okay, he was hurt, he came back. He pitched like himself before the blister sort of finished his season, which is another thing. But but we'll look at, you know, the starts post-DL and, and basically be like, you know, comfortable that he was 
not irreparably damaged by whatever the hell was fucked up with his shoulder at the start of the year. You know, the velocity was the same, the ground ball rate was the same, like a lot of, you know, I think the ERI was still bloated. He had a terrible defense behind him, but, but, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, I think, and I think that was possible, but maybe, maybe it wasn't because I know a lot of the talk centered around like, oh, they're so, why would they sell low on him? Look at his ERA, look at this. And I had always sort of thought, well, well, teams aren't fucking dumb. They're going to look at like, they're going to parse their information a little more carefully than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Maybe it's still possible. Maybe it was possible. But uh, it always sounded like the Blue Jays were going to want to get a package that reflected what they think his value really is, which is, you know, that he's still the guy that he was for those 12 starts in the middle of the season and from 2017 and before uh, and not – you know, not a guy who anybody has to worry too much about. I don't think that was such a big ask, but it seems like perhaps other teams do. Well, it, there are a lot of the, the market remains flooded because all these no, no nobody signed. Right, right. Who's the only one that signed? Uh, Corbett. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what's left? You know, there's there's Robbie Ray's name is is another one where after the Paxton trade, it's, the Diamondbacks were like, well, if you want to do that, sure, give us a call. But if not, we're not going to listen. And the same thing is probably true of Stroman. You got the same versions of or different versions of the same guy. They got two years left, and it's like, okay, if you want to call the Jays on Stroman on Sanchez, that you know that's going to be the going rate, and they're not going to just give him away for the sake of doing it, of getting some. Because I, I one day we'll kind of hopefully we can grow out of that. Well, we'll get him for well, you you'll get nothing for him if you let him pitch the last two years of his contract, and then he goes as a free agent. You get nothing for him. It's like we get two years of a big leaguer pitching for your team, yeah, a guy sure. who's not a scum kid that you're just <laughs> throwing out there to the wolves every fucking five days. You get a really good pitcher who's someone who's fun to cheer for, unless you're also involved in other. Sp- Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but, <laughs> but like, no, you don't get I mean, nothing. Yeah, he, he pitches I, for the team, and but there's also Madison like, Bumgarner's name and stuff out there. Because no one is signing, because Dallas Keuchel is still sitting out there, because all these other guys are still sitting out there. There's the chance of Strom Marcus Stroman getting traded is going to be way down because the other team, no team is going to be like, we have to make the deal for Stroman, the guy who pitched 12 times pretty well last year. <laughs> Which might be a stretch. Like we, we have to blow the Jays, the, the Jays' ask out of the water. That's not yeah. going to happen, unfortunately. And and there is there is value in keeping him and Sanchez, sure. But uh, it's just it's all this slow moving off season has so many ripple effects, so many uh, you know things that that it, it affects everything. So we're all just sitting here in stasis, basically. Basically, basically. But yeah, but you're absolutely right about you know. It, there being value in watching a pitcher pitch, you know, like would would we give up years of of having watched Roy Halladay for, you know, the Blue Jays trading him away sooner for prospects that probably didn't pan out and probably didn't lead to any more success down the line? Like, no, I'm pretty happy that 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 lasted as long as it did. Uh, it's nice to have good players to you know that are exciting and for people to cheer for for sure. And it's nice to have a team that is made, like a big league team made up of big leaguers. Even if you are like, we're not going to win <laughs> yeah. the World Series this year. It's like, go out there as a team and win as many games as you can. Be prepared for when the when the reinforcements come, when they call in the cavalry. Because we talked about Ricky Romero. And and that and at the end of 2012, I, I interviewed him and I interviewed Jason Fraser and a bunch of guys who have been through long, fucking miserable seasons. And they were so done with it they were just so miserable and 
beat up and it's just like, ugh, it sucks losing all the time. And when your team is bad and you hoped it was going to be good, it's no fun. But get out there and like and and just compete. And there's no bad. There's no downside to that. There's no mm-hmm. downside to to winning ball games and 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 learning on the job and and having a sense of stakes. Because at the end of the day, all the stuff that the economic stuff that you and I have a barely a no grasp on. I don't. I can't even pretend <laughs> no, like I have any sure. idea yeah. what I'm talking about most of the time. You know, it's they're still putting a team out there that they're trying. They need, they need to win. That's how the players all have to think. That's how the manager thinks, uh, and and that's what the fans go to see. They want to see a team win, even if they even if they win, lose a hundred games, or they or they're set up to not be a competitive team. The night that you go to the ballpark, it's nice if they win. You could be the most process driven person in the world, but if you are like watching, well, this is a journeyman or a Clayton Richard. Like, would you rather watch Clayton Richard 32 times or Marcus Stroman? Marcus Stroman, this, this guy who's forged a relationship with so many fans, with the country, with the city, uh, who, who was drafted and developed by the team. The team took, took a risk, took a shot at this very undersized college reliever. Like, you're going to be a starter. And then he starts, you know, that game, all, how many big games in, in, in the last decade of the team? There's value in that. Is, 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 is what I've said before, and I'm glad that you agreed with me because it allowed me to go on this very similar rant that I've gone on a fucking thousand times before. <laughs> yeah, fair. But anyway. It's a good rant. Don't suck. Just don't suck. Um, one more thing. Mm. I, I mentioned this on Twitter today, and then I actually saw Evan Drellich, who writes about the Red Sox, wrote a thing about it, and I guess it was in that Jeff, uh, Jeff Passan song. Yeah. I do that wrong every time. He yeah, writes for ESPN. Now, congratulations to Jeff on uh, the move to ESPN. The mouse forever, um, but that Craig Kimbrell, who I said is like probably one of the three best relievers of all time, and people were like uh, took exception to that, which is stupid. There's no market for Craig Kimbrell, who's 30 years old, who strikes out two out of every five batters he faces for his entire career, just won the World Series. Who's going to sign Craig Kimbrell? The Phillies signed David Robertson here on Thursday. So that's the team that's not going to sign Craig Kimbrell. So this guy is just sitting there. And the, the Red Sox are waiting until his number comes down. And then they'll sign him and he'll be back in the mix with them. Um, but speaking of, of the trade market, so if, if, if and when Kimbrell signs, what does that mean for Ken Giles? I forgot Ooh. that Ken Giles plays yeah. for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Now, that he is a, a nice piece to have on a bad team. But of all the players in terms of like, there's not as much in, invested emotional emotional capital, emotional equity in, in a guy like Ken Giles. He's the kind of guy that you trade. Frankly. Sure, yeah. So what do you think about the idea of maybe like attaching maybe Russell Martin to Ken Giles? Is there value in that or does that kill you or the value you're going to bring back? Yeah, why, I mean, why would they do that? I, I, I mean, I... I could see if they wanted to clear money off their books, but like, mm-hmm. they probably do. But I don't know why that would matter to any to you know fans. Uh, that, so that, like, if, I, if anything, that would be the worst outcome. Yeah, like I don't want to see that, them just doing that. It's like they're giving away two players. Yeah, <laughs> instead of just giving away one and, tra- right. and trading the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But do, like, so I wonder if. Because I, I, so when I was thinking about this, I was looking around like, well, who's the market for Craig Kimbrell? What's the team that could use him? The answer is every team could use him. He makes every team better. 
but but his job specialized as it is maybe suggests that that um that there's only certain kinds of teams that would that could use the services of a guy like that that maybe the astros yeah yeah could maybe, maybe sign him they should they got that money angel but so well, then there's, yes there's so few teams trying to be good so there's so few teams trying to be good and many of them the yankees for example don't need really a, a lot of help in the bullpen they are going to end up signing like zach Britton or somebody like that but uh so who do you trade ken giles to right i don't know maybe that's why you got to keep him until the deadline for when the rays win start loading up yeah yeah when they start loading <laughs> up when they when they're 40 and 40 at the all-star break they're like now we make our move i don't know it's it's just another thing to think about as another piece that's stuck as they wait for the free agent dam to break even though it's not it's just not going to break Somebody's going to sign Kimbrell. Somebody's going to sign Keuchel. Somebody's going to sign Harper. Somebody's going to sign Machado. Yeah. Jay Hat, get your money early, and that's God bless Brian Cashman. This is the second time we talked about him. Brian Cashman doesn't usually usually doesn't give a fuck. He gets the player that he wants. He they're always the Yankees are always the first team to make the trade in the middle of the season. Like they're the ones who start trade season every year because they're like this is what we want, and they go and get it. Bless them. Yes, bless the Yankees of all teams. Sure, yeah, well, I guess, I guess so. You're not wrong that they do absolutely do that. It's, uh, it, it's a grim thought though about you know just how small the market is for anybody decent. I mean, this is like why not only like you know okay those, these guys are, will get signed, but in terms of thinking about you know who wants a, a Ken Giles, I mean, there's such a slim number of teams that probably would that mm-hmm. are you know we kind of we have these thoughts of. You know what a trade for a certain type of talent should basically look like, but it's like, well, why would it, why would anybody bid against themselves if they're the only suitor, right? I mean, that which is why you know, Marcus Stroman, you know, the Blue Jays aren't seeing supposedly the the uh, the kind of offers that they think that they deserve. I mean, there's sort of other factors going on there too, but you know, well, like, well, I don't know why would somebody offer the Jays a ton for Ken Giles right now and Kimbrell's sitting there and the price will come down and I think Ottavino's still out there and there's a bunch of mm-hmm. there's a bunch of arms that are still out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Um at some point you'd think that, that the the dam maybe the dam will break. I mean, most years it breaks, right? I mean uh but but in terms of enough to to put those kind of pieces into play at the kind of value that the Blue Jays think that they, you know, can accept getting out of them? Maybe not. Maybe it, it, it's just it's going to have to wait until the, the summer. You know, you know who I blame for a lot of this as well? The Rays. Yeah, fuck the Rays, sure. Because the Rays are the kind of, a team like the Rays that could come up maybe out of, sort of out of nowhere and, and, and insert themselves into a race or, or win more games than you expect. If, even if the Rays do that, they're still only going to ever pursue a very specific type of player, right? If somebody makes yeah. too much money, they're just not on the raise radar. No matter how much they need that player or could use that player or that player would make a big difference when in terms of them making the playoffs or not making the playoffs or winning the World Series, whatever it is, they're just not going to enter into that conversation. And it's so bullshit. And somebody has said it before that they're, 
the, the, the players are going to be screaming for a salary floor by the time the next CBA uh, negotiations come up and the, man, the owners are going to laugh and laugh and they'll give it to them. But like, ugh. Because we'll like, give it to them on the, okay. condition, on the condition of a salary cap. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah that's the other side of that. Yeah. yeah. But like, imagine if the Rays somehow do it again and are competitive more so than they should have been. And suddenly all these good players are going to be, oh, maybe the Rays could use another left-handed starter. Maybe the Rays could use a good reliever. Nope. They'll never do it. They'll, <laughs> they'll trade for the guy who is... Whatever, who would they make that trade? They traded away. They're the one they traded away Jesus Colome to the to the Mariners. The Mariners are like, we need to get better. We want to try to win games. The Rays were like, here, take a good pitcher. We'll take a bunch of other platoon guys, fifty platoon guys in our on our on our twenty five man roster. Somehow they all only have to get half a spot each. Fuck. Fuck <laughs> yeah, fair. God, they're so bad. Um, that's about it. Anything else? You got anything else you want to say? No. Fuck the race is a good ending point, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, yeah, we're back. We're here 2019, January. So, uh, thank you to everybody who stuck with us. Hope everybody had a happy and safe holiday season. You can, of course, support the podcast at patreon.com slash birds all day. Looking ahead to some fun stuff coming up in 2019. So, if you want to get on the uh, the Patreon uh, band bandwagon, there are a bunch of different uh, levels you can you can opt in at. Kick us a couple bucks a month, uh, we have one or two, or five or ten or whatever else. Go ahead, support the content that you value. We appreciate it. it keeps us going, keeps us motivated, and keeps us uh, living in the style to which we have grown accustomed. Uh, and you, of course, can like Birds All Day at Facebook, where often <laughs> the podcast, a link to the podcast, will end up over there. Follow us on Twitter. You can read Stoughton at the Athletic. Right? Any promotions yeah, yeah. going on right now? You got a good I'm promo sure there is. I mean, then we just had a ton of good ones over Christmas, but I'm sure if you look, you'll be able to find something as well. But yeah, you can read me there when when there's things worth writing about, which has been few and far between right now. But uh, you'll see something this week or early next week, I'm sure. The dam will break. <laughs> One hopes. The dam I mean, will to, break. You know, it's just, it's, I got to tell you, uh, the gluttonous holiday season as we, we began the the podcast talking about it does not ending that does not really just really get one into gear to start writing about matt shoemaker and clayton richard are you sure a little bit yeah yeah my last couple know. days are any indication then yeah it does it's it's not really it's not really inducive to uh uh to talking about the blue jays matt Lost. shoemaker's wonderful beard people are excited to talk about that i'm sure i love yeah. a good beard yeah, I could do something wacky, I suppose. Yeah, that's what the that's what the that's what the athletic readership is all about. The wacky stuff. <laughs> it's really, it's a, yeah, those always go over well. Big, <laughs> what did he throw? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure other people's wacky stuff goes over quite well. But you got to get it right. Uh, yeah, but anyway. You'll see. All it. right, that's what I'm saying. There'll be a promo. Don't you worry. <laughs> there will be. There's always a promo. So, uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to an exciting 2019. There's so much to come. Uh, there's so much Vlad Guerrero Jr. content that we will just paper this the universe with, and then he'll come and play, and then it'll all be over. There won't be anything else to look forward to when he's up. Just remember that when you're pining for Bla- Vlad's debut. <laughs> Once he comes, he can only he can only have one debut. He can only get one first hit, one first home run, one first curtain call. Enjoy it. 
all downhill so from it. there. Yeah, it's all downhill from there. Life. If anything, that's why they should just trade him. Why don't? Why miss out on value? Well, don't let him walk away for nothing in ten years after he signs his first extension. Trade him now. That way, we can just savor the sweet feeling of anticipation that we are all going to get us through this long, uh, cold winter. Whatever. My name is Drew Ferris. His name is Andrew Stoughton. We will talk to you next time on Birds All Day.